everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am Brandon, and as always, I'm here with Paul. Yo, yo, giddy up. We're here again for another episode. Come along for the ride. And uh, we're still here with Dan, and I'm just ignoring the giddy ups at this point. No, never. Well, since Paul keeps stealing my giddy ups, I'll just, I guess I'll just say howdy. <laughs> no, giddy up is it for now on. Uh, yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and dive right into this. Uh, we were watching season one, episode 16, the Galileo seven. We're about halfway through the first season. Uh, it seems like we've been going at this forever. Like just watching it, you know, one episode a week is kind of torturous, but you know, we're getting there. Uh, but the original air date for this one was January 12th, 1967. And it opened up with the Enterprise flying through space on a mission to deliver some supplies to Colony Beta 6, which they seem to do a lot of that. Like they're just they're mostly either just like flying around aimlessly or they're doing like a supply run for some reason or visiting a prison. I think it's their mission, right? To just to explore and because it's, 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 it's a scientific ship. It's a scientific mission, I believe, right? Right. So to just explore new worlds and then bring supplies, help people out. So I assume they're always on a, a light mission of doing that. Yeah. And occasionally they just get to be like space truckers. but uh yeah so kirk and mccoy are uh talking about the void of space in front of them because apparently there's just like nothing in front of them like their scanners aren't picking up anything and uh they're just like having this weird conversation comparing it to the deserts on earth and they get like really oddly uh nostalgic about it like they just love the desert for some reason i mean if you hate water the desert's where it's at yeah it's, Absolutely. There's a little reference in there where he mentions uh, 900 light years specifically. Specifically, well, I hate that word. So just so you notice him saying that, and then later on, you know, it comes full circle, and a little bit later in the episode. I just think that was something yeah. they kind of subtly put in there that nobody really noticed as it, as it was talking. Yeah. So you know, they're like a, a good ways away from Earth at this point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but but Spock overhears this uh, discussion and he comes over and gives the definition of a desert because you know he's a, a party animal and, and loves to you know get in that Drops good conversation. Back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he doesn't understand their nostalgia for the desert, which I mean I don't either. I've never been to a desert, but I, I kind of I don't think I would like to because uh, I, I do like water and I don't like cooking alive. So hey, man, not that well, I tried that, trying but... to kill you in the desert on top of it. Yeah. I would love to go to the desert, like in like uh, Afghanistan or something, like in the middle of the desert, and just see what's out there. Especially after watching the show Moon Knight, I really want to go down there and look at like the because they're the the Sphinxes in the desert, right? The Sphinx and things like that, pyramids. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind going to see. I those mean, things. you can go to the beach to see sand. No, whoa, whoa! Did you compare a pyramid to sand? No, no. Well, I'm not. No, I'm just comparing the desert sand to the sand <laughs> oh, on the beach. No, I'm talking about going yeah. to visit the the big things there, the pyramids and the streaks and things like that. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't like sand. It's uh, it's coarse and rough and irritating. You know, you know who else didn't like you sand? Sound like uh, Anakin <laughs> from uh, Star Wars just now, sir. When he said that, I, mean, I, I know my nerd stuff. That, don't that's play the me. quote. Don't play me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean i would you know i would like to go visit things like the the pyramids and all that but i don't think i would have like a fondness for just the desert like it'd be cool to see but uh just oh. just the once you need to start watching more nature nature channels man watch nature channel in the desert there's a lot of stuff going out there it's really cool looking i promise you that <laughs> i don't know every uh nature show i watch of people in the desert like bear grills he's always drinking his piss oh <laughs> yeah, okay, that sounds like a great time change the channel then man change the channel oh we're already off to a great start. <laughs> Five minutes uh, in, we're talking about deserts. <laughs> about drinking pee. <laughs> drinking pee. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, so yeah, so McCoy, you know, he's not surprised that uh, Spock doesn't understand what's going on, and he says he can't imagine a mirage ever disturbing Spock's mathematically perfect brainwaves, and Spock is just, like, very seriously, he's just like, thank you, and just leaves. It just, it just walks it, away. It's just funny. It was like, it was, it was like humans have a weird way of complimenting me. He just, yeah. he keeps, he breaks into conversations to say that he doesn't understand it, and then McCoy cracks a joke, and then he leaves. Like, that's their yeah. whole formula. That's all they ever do. I like it. Yeah, so uh, they're eight days away from their destination and delivering those supplies, and uh, Spock says that he's picking up a sizable space displacement reading. So the navigator, uh, or I don't actually know, yeah, he's the navigator because Sulu's helm. Okay, so yeah, the navigator, uh, he verifies the displacement, which we have a new navigator like every episode, and I I really just kind of want somebody permanent there because I'm tired of learning the names of people we never see again. The human is also new in this episode. Yeah, new humans. Yep. I also I, I noted uh, that uh, it was different helmet immediately. <laughs> yeah, different helmet every time. I thought, I thought, oh, he he dead. Yeah, he's screwed. <laughs> Dude, I, I truly thought he's gonna die immediately as soon as I saw he was yeah. the different helmet. Yeah, and uh, so they put this uh, you know, space displacement thing up on the screen, and it's just it's a planet, and Spock is a little bit confused as to why it's not in their records. Uh, which obviously we know, you know, from Star Wars that if there's a planet missing, that that's because somebody got rid of it. That, yes. that little kid taught us that. Yep. <laughs> Before Anakin chopped him down. Too soon. <laughs> so Kirk's like, you know, hey, we don't have time to investigate this. And he asks Ahura to notify the discovery on the subspace radio, but she can't get a signal out due to the strong interference, which is likely caused by the plan- planet's uh, iron-rich body. So Kirk's like, all right, let's get out of the you know range of the disruption, and we'll, we'll try that again. And he orders Sulu to make an adjustment to their heading. And then Sulu's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And for some reason, he stands up, and then he just disappears. Like, just straight disappears into thin air. He did some uh, instant transmission. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm out of here. So Kirk then runs over to where Sulu was standing, and he disappears as well. And then we get, like, this shot of Spock uh, ordering full reverse power, like, just yelling it, oddly enough, for him. And then we go to the show opening. So, like, a pretty interesting way to, to open up, just people just disappearing. Honestly, I was in it. As soon as they did, that happened, I was like, okay, I'm in. I said, this might be an amazing episode. I just, I yeah, it was about- very sudden. Yeah. And, and like, look how cool Spock was under the pressure of that just happening. So, oh, yeah. we <laughs> dogged on him last week, but he did a pretty Man, good job this ca- week. Captain Spock said, no, <laughs> never again. We're full Captain Spock nah, again. Nah, I'm over Captain Spock. He's always <laughs> making the worst decisions. This episode, actually, this episode gave him justice, by the way. I want to clarify that before I make fun of him again. But, you know, the last episode was just so bad and egregious that this is just like, oh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> whatever. He had an off day. Come on, give him a break. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He had a lot of off moments that episode. A lot of them. Yeah, he was just having a bad day. We mm. all have them. He tried to kill everybody. He tried to, he voted to kill everybody. He was going to leave He didn't try to kill them. He tried to leave them to die. There's a that, difference. Oh, there's a difference. People <laughs> was, remember that. I'll come back for you. He just said, yeah. there's a difference, just so you know. If I don't, oh yeah, I don't have to save you, Batman quote. Leaving them does not guarantee that they're going to die. You know, it just increases <laughs> the odds. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Get out of here. Um, so yeah, we get back from the commercial and uh, Spock is giving a ship's log explaining that the ship has been placed on red alert and that they can't find Sulu or Kirk anywhere. And Scotty is on the bridge basically saying, hey, you know, we looked everywhere and, you know, if they're not down on that planet, then they are nowhere. So 
their instruments, uh, they're not picking up any life forms on the surface of the planet. And the navigator, who now gets a name, is uh, DeSalle, requests to transport to the planet's surface and start a search. He's like, you, you screw this sitting around stuff. Like, let's let's go down there and, you know, let's just go. Like, he's just a man of action. Uh, which, oddly enough, like, all of the helmsmen are. They're always, like, trigger-happy, like, men of action. Yeah, but I think, is, I think it's, the, aren't the helmsmen ones that shoot the missiles, too? Like, the, they're the one that press the yeah, button? Yeah, I think... He, I think he is yeah. the guy for so that. Yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe they're the they're like they're the grunts of the of the uh, the space exploration team. You know, like Star Trek. Maybe they're the people who do like the hard lifting and a lot of fighting and things like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, and they just like just default like all go like no talking like let's just go. Yeah, let's just they're the helmets, so they just they're ready to fight at all times. Yeah, so McCoy agrees to that. He's like, yeah, you know, we should probably go down there and, and have a search. But Spock, you know, is uh, channeling himself from the last episode. And he's like, look, I'm the one in charge, and it's my decision to make. And uh, he asks the this guy, Jaeger, about the uh, geophysical findings on the surface of the planet. And Jaeger, you know, never one to spoil the fun, is like, well, you know, there's no soil or vegetation, and it's really fucking hot, and there's a toxic atmosphere that you know, swept over by tornadic storms and it's just also constant, you know, volcanic eruptions. So basically just like it's hell. Like it just sucks. So oh, yeah, that doesn't sound like a fun time to you? Yeah, he's just like it's you know the scariest place imaginable. Like nah, Spock, Spock was like, yeah, that's, that's, let's go visit that place. Logically that sounds like yeah. fun. Yeah, so but Spock wants to know, he's like, how long can you know two unprotected people survive on that planet? And Jaeger's like, eh, not very long. So, you know, super scientific answer. Which is weird because I thought Spock would have been like, I need an exact time. I thought Spock yeah. would have said something about that. That's one thing I noticed in that situation where I was like, why didn't Spock give him crap for, for his answer? Because it wasn't a straight answer, it was like open ended. I thought I thought maybe yeah. they, I think maybe they missed the opportunity to to clarify like a Spock moment because that would have been that really would have made sense. You know what I'm saying? If he would have gave an answer, it probably would have just been an educated guess, quote unquote. Yeah, but Spock would have took it because he would have Spock would refer to his expertise because logically, he, well, you know, like he, Spock is the smartest he, everybody and everything. So when he, when he asked him the question, he needed the answer. So once the guy starts saying well, the answer, he, whatever the answer he says, Spock's going to take it because he knows he's the expert. Spock's not. Well, didn't they say there was no oxygen on the planet? Uh, no, just that it was like a toxic atmosphere. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm particularly talking about just the time thing itself. He didn't say an exact time. I think that's kind of weird yeah. for Spock yeah, not Yeager's to say like, something. You know, they can maybe live 10 minutes, and Spock's like, all right, well, it's been 11. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, just like, yeah, leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just, it's very, like, I know it's something, like, subtle, and I'm being me sometimes, but I think that's very weird that they didn't write him saying, responding back with the exact time when that's everything Spock is logical. So, yeah. yeah I mean, maybe, you I, could I'm be like, saying. well, they're dead already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. let's get out of here. All right, but I'm, uh, yeah. they're, they're actually over there floating in space. Don't you see them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would they even bother to bring them back at that point? And just, I mean, yeah. if Spock's in charge, probably not. He needs the bodies. Don't they shoot the bodies off into space when they die? We haven't, no, that's uh, uh, we haven't seen one yet. Yeah, we well, despite the fact that so many people have died, we don't really uh know what they do when they die on the ship. Yeah, we haven't seen the military funeral yet. We've seen the the funerals on the planets, but we've never seen yeah. one on, on the ship yet, which would be really interesting when it happens. Yeah, so uh, uh, Uhura gets a text-based me- message from the planet's surface and pops up on the screen. It's just like, hey, LOL. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just like a simple greeting. And uh, Spock tells her to send a message back, uh, requesting the sender to identify themselves. And then they just like send back a, an unsolicited dick pic. And, you know, that's just the end of the episode. 
<laughs> the uh, no, the response I get back is uh, hip hip hooray tally ho. And hearing Spock say tally ho is fan fucking tastic. <laughs> tally ho. He's like, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so of course, you know, they're obviously not very sure what's going on. And uh, McCoy is like, well, you know, at least we know that there's life on the planet now. And Spock's like, all right, well, let's get the transporter room ready. And uh, Scotty, you know, immediately jumps in. He's like, hey, I want to be part of the search party. And Spock says, no. Uh, he says, you know, you and I, we we cannot be like, we're too important to be spared here. And then he orders uh, DeSalle and Jaeger and McCoy to equip the landing party and prepare for transport, which is real fucked up because he's like, well, you no, know, they you became and I best are friends important. in last week's episode. They did. And he's like, you and I, you know, we're too important to be spared. But these other dudes, fuck them. Like, let's send them. Like, McCoy, he's replaced. Scotty had, Scotty had my back, so I got his back. This time I got, I got to defend Spock. This time, I hate defending him this time. But this is exactly what I was saying. Like, like, I get his point. Everything made sense. Look, if they, we, we're too knowledgeable. See, I didn't think, I didn't think it as in like, he was like, oh, you know, we're, we're more important than them. I took it as we have too much, no- we have too much knowledge and nobody else can do what we do. Cause, uh, you know, McCoy Scott, is the fucking ship's head surgeon. No, yeah, but doctors are replaceable though. There's probably other guys on that ship with his expertise. So send one of the other doctors. I wouldn't send the like send the head surgeon. I, I get what you say. I, I get your point. I get what you're saying. I just think that there's probably even though uh, Kirk does that a lot. Also, yeah, he does. They they actually do really risk like the heads of their departments all the time, which is uh, I see. I feel like it's like bad protocol. Well, the captain. Maybe doing, why that, that's why. Th- maybe that's why there's such a uh, high turnover rate with all the new characters constantly coming in. Like, whoa, they don't know how to run shit on this ship. <laughs> yeah, like we're getting out of here. Get out of here. Just uh, just send like. Send the new navigator and the next six that you were going to replace him with. And, you know, if you lose them, no big fucking deal. Because you apparently have, like, infinite number in a closet somewhere. And every time you lose one, you just grab them. So just, like, send all those ones. Have we seen any other doctors hey, there's, al- the there's always someone that wants to jump on as soon as they leave to take over navigation. Have, yeah. we, have we seen any other doctors on the show yet? Besides Bones? Like, uh, uh, we saw uh, we've seen a couple of them. Helen. I th- well, she was a nurse, but... You have to about, like, um, on the Enterprise itself, like one of the characters. Like I only see him in the office, right? I don't see anybody else in the doctor's office. Just him. Yeah, I don't know if we've seen any other medical doctors. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna start looking for that now. Well, if, if he's the only one, they're really playing risky well, business. I, I don't know if he's the only one. That's why I'm curious now. I was the, there must be more than one doctor, or he wouldn't be sent. It. I just don't think. I just I never seen the other ones. That's why, that's why I'm curious. Yeah, like we've seen people helping out, but um, you have to assume. I mean. One of them had to have been a doctor, right? Like yeah. we've just seen background characters doing stuff in the sick bay and all that. Yeah, yeah. So they go to the transporter room, and Uhura calls to say that they haven't received any more messages, but that they've pinpointed where the messages that they did receive were coming from. And boy, I really uh, choked on that word tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, Spock orders the transporter team to contact the ship when they arrive. And uh, I'm just looking here and like they have like some pretty they're they're we're actually wearing some different gear for going to the planet for once. Like they have an oxygen mask because the, uh, you know, the environment's just trash, but they have no heat protection. They're just going down in in like their uniform and in like their sweaters, which is really weird. But, like, I don't know what you okay. could wear to, you know, protect yourself from the heat. But exactly what you're about to say about the reference real quick. They don't have suits on, man. They don't have suits on. I, th- yeah. I thought it was very weird because they didn't identify if they can, like, they got, their skin is exposed. Yeah. They don't have suits on. I, I find that very, I don't know, I just, weird, I, I noticed it. Yeah, there's, well, there's like, you know, there's constant tornadoes, volcanic eruptions, and the air is toxic, and they're just like, oh, so I can just, just like wear a t-shirt then? 
And that's just like, that's just what they do. Yep, weird. So, uh, yeah, they do beam down to the surface and they find themselves in an area that's just like got a bunch of trees. So they're back in Ohio. And uh, McCoy points out, he's like, hey, there are no storms. Almost like he's disappointed. He's like, I'm not getting murdered by a tornado right now. Like, this is kind of bullshit. The old bait oh, and switch. Man, I wanted to see a volcano go off. Yeah, he wanted to experience it firsthand. And uh, Jaeger just does a quick scan and says that the atmosphere is exactly the same as the one on Earth. And he just was, takes off his mask. So he's like, yeah, it's cool. Like, we can breathe in this. As, which is, I guess, why they weren't wearing any gear. Because the story said that there was no point. So they were just going to have to take it right back off. And so DeSalle, he tries to call the Enterprise, but he can't get through. And uh, then for some reason, like the other people try like this, you know, like they don't believe that he can't do it or like they, they believe that he can't. He's just like, this guy's fucking dumb. Like, like he can't like, use it. Like, like, like his cell phone's broken. not getting the signal. Like his yeah. like, like shit is broken and there it is. Or like um, the thing is they did it at the same time, too. It was off. It was very off-putting. <laughs> yeah, they're just like they think he's just like incompetent. And he can't use a communicator. Yeah, yeah like oh, let's pull ours out too. Like, uh, like okay, your phone work? No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they they get the same result, and then they try to use a laser beacon that they had brought to signal to the Enterprise where they are, and that doesn't work either. So, uh, DeSalle's like, all right, now I'm gonna go and you know find some open ground because you know maybe these trees are blocking the signal or whatever. And then he fi- he finds what appears to be like a a castle, like a castle gate. So they go up to this big front door, like they go up some stairs and go to the the castle front door and they go inside and there's just like, a, basically it's just a living room decorated with like medieval items and all that. And they, uh, you know, they take a couple steps in and then they get startled by like a decorative salt vampire, which was a really fucking cool callback to the man trap. Yeah. Like it was, it was pretty cool to see one of those again. Uh, but yeah, they just, you know, they go in, they see Kirk and Sulu, and they're frozen in place on this little stand. And uh, McCoy scans them and says that they, he's not getting a reading at all, and that they, they're like waxwork figures. And uh, suddenly the front door slams shut, and a harpsichord starts playing. And for some reason, this gave me, like, odd Scooby-Doo vibes. <laughs> like, like McCoy's like, ruh row And then they just have to, like, solve the mystery of what's going on. <laughs> and then I was wondering, like, who would be... You know, the character, like, who would be the cast of Scooby-Doo? Like, what what Star Trek person would be Shaggy? Oh. Like, could you see McCoy? Is he, McCoy's in there. He's like, zoinks. Zoinks. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's probably Bones. Yeah. And, and Kirk's got to be Fred. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Kirk's got to be Fred. And uh, Janice would have to be, uh, what is it, Daphne? And Kirk's like, yep. why don't you guys go investigate and, you know... Uh, Janice and I are going to go over here and investigate. And, and Spock will have to be Thelma. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Holy well, shit. I didn't even think of that. Who's going to be Scooby-Doo? Oh, shit. Oh, God, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any of the characters that are useless that seem to pop in? Uh, I now I want be, that. No, Scooby's a yeoman. Scooby has to be one of the yeoman. Yeah, now I want to see this. I want to see the Enterprise painted up like the mystery machine. And they're just <laughs> flying around solving <laughs> bullshit horror mysteries in space. Dude, where it's always that, just like a guy my, in a mask. Dude, that, that's my show I want to make, man. That's the, the idea for my show. <laughs> they just travel around yeah. in a ship and just find find bad guys. Scooby-Doo style. Yeah. Like just they, don't bring on a scrappy do though. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I just want to see, like, they... You know, when they fought the salt vampire, they just ripped the mask off and it's like Gary Mitchell. They're like, Gary Mitchell. <laughs> He's like, I would have gotten away with Gary it too Mitchell. if it wasn't for Captain Kirk. And, uh, okay, but anyway, there's a, yeah, the harpsichord starts playing and there's a, a guy sitting at the harpsichord 
And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, those two guys over there referencing Kirk and Sulu saying that they make an uh, exquisite display pair. And he's like, oh, you know, I suppose you guys want them back. And he just waves his hand and uh, Kirk and Sulu come out of their frozen state. And uh, they come back and they're super confused about where they are. And uh, the guy that was playing the harpsichord uh, welcomes them to Gothos, which is the name of the planet. So McCoy just kind of, you know, explains real quick to Kirk how he got there. He's like, yeah, you were on the bridge. You disappeared, which makes no fucking sense to Kirk anyway. Like, yeah, that's that's super helpful, guy. You <laughs> didn't really tell me anything. <laughs> right. It's like, man, he's more confused than he was, you know, a second ago. But uh, so the guy says he couldn't resist uh, bringing everybody there when he saw the ship passing by. So, you know, Kirk being Kirk, he introduces himself and the guy introduces himself as General Trelane retired. And uh, then he goes back to just playing the harpsichord, which I didn't know that that's what that was. Like, I didn't know that's what a harpsichord uh, sounded like. I, I've heard of a harpsichord. I didn't know, you know, there was basically like a piano harp kind of I, thing. I never heard of it before. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just regular piano. Yeah. It, uh, the subtitles said harpsichord. So. Yeah. I saw, I saw something that said the same thing, but I wasn't sure. I didn't, yep. th- I didn't think of it as a different instrument. It looked like a piano. So I just thought, I just thought piano. Yeah, so DeSalle then explains to Kirk that they can't get a hold of the Enterprise and that they're trapped on the planet. So Trelane tells them that he's really excited to have visitors from the planet and that uh, well, the, he's made the planet his hobby, basically. And he didn't think that, you know, the the crew of the Enterprise was capable of such voyages out to where he was. And uh, Jaeger then kind of points out, he's like, man, you know, the time period in here is like 900 light years away from Earth. And so it's probably what he would be seeing through a high-powered viewing scope. Which is actually scientifically accurate also. Yeah, yeah. Anything he sees is going to be, you know, super fucking old. So, you know, he he thinks that they're still in that medieval time period. But yeah, Trelane says that, you know, he's like, hey, I've been looking in on Earth. And Kirk is like, well, you know, what you see is actually 900 years in the past. And Trelane is a little bit upset about that. And he's like, oh, you know, I made a terrible time mistake here. And he's like, I really wanted you guys to feel at home when you got here. Uh, so Kirk just wants to know why they were in prison there. And Trelane's like, well, you're not really imprisoned, but, you know, I just want to know about you and, you know, your campaigns and your battles and your missions of conquest. And and Kirk interrupts him. He says that their missions are peaceful, that they're not out for conquest and that, you know, when they do battle, that it's only because they don't have a choice. And Trelane just continues to explain that he wants to talk to them uh, while McCoy is walking around, like, just doing a scan. And Trelane's like, well, you know, you guys are one of the few predator species that actually preys on yourself and he's super interested in that and th- at this point DeSalle's just like fuck this and draws his phaser <laughs> like he's like you know what I'm he's like I'll show you that you're yeah. wrong that you want to see a predator motherfucker and <laughs> just like draws his phaser <laughs> so you know, random the, the, my only issue with this whole this whole episode about to go through is it could have been solved in like five minutes all he had to do oh you want to know about us let's just go and go through the history I have a thing I have a machine up here I have a big ass ship has a computer that can tell you the entire human history that happened since today. Like I think he was pretty dead set on not letting them go though. Either yeah, way, like like I don't, it's not a, it's not a big secret. Like you want to know our history for the last nine hundred years? Come up here real quick. Like here you go, it's out there for everybody to see. And the whole episode ends. Uh, but I I think it was less about actually learning the history and more about him just having people to screw with. I think was his big thing. Okay. Well, that and I I think he was also trying to figure them out from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, like he's just having fun interacting with uh with another species. 
So, yeah, DeSalle draws his phaser, and Kirk's like, no, you know, don't do that yet, but, you know, put it on stun just in case, which is, like, they always have that trigger happy guy, and it's always, you know, the, the, the navigator helmsman. for some it's always, reason. It's always the I guess that would make me, that, that'd be my position, like, I'm just gonna shoot it. No, yeah. no, 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 stun it. Yeah, like, that's the solution to everything. So, yeah, uh, Trelane overhears DeSalle's name, and he just starts speaking French to him, because DeSalle's a French, uh, French name. And Kirk introduces the rest of the crew, and so DeSalle starts speaking German to Jaeger and doing, like, you know, German stuff. <laughs> just like a German march <laughs> German. and all this. Yeah, he's just doing German stuff. He, he does, like, a German march and all this uh, all this stuff. And again, DeSalle's just like, all right, I'm, I'm getting the old phaser out. And so then Trelane just, like, freezes him in time and walks over and takes the phaser, and he just starts inspecting it to kind of see how it works. And then he sets it to kill and he fires at the salt vampire and then like a, a really weird like bird creature he had over there and makes them both disappear. So what I was wondering is Kirk and uh, Sulu were frozen when they got there. So is the salt vampire just frozen or was that like a stuffed salt vampire? Like did he just oh. vaporize this living this living thing? Because like they thought they killed the last one. And, uh, you know, maybe that one was the last one. I didn't want, I didn't want to say uh, it was weird. Oh, uh, they called Jaeger the meteorologist. Yeah, he's their weatherman. Yep. Yeah, he's their weatherman. I didn't even because <laughs> they asked him about the weather earlier. <laughs> I didn't realize that. And then he's, oh yes, yeah, so a meteorologist. Yeah, and I was like, that's his job, a meteorologist. Like that's a thing on your ship. I thought, I, I guess knowing the weather of each planet you go to might be important. Never even entered my mind thinking about the, there has to be a weatherman to tell you about the weather or whatever planet planet you visit. Just, Can you imagine how difficult the job is to like predict forecasts and like understand the weather of planets you've never seen? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what that's what I'm tripping out when I, I saw him described like that. I thought, who in the hell who thought about that? Because that is so interesting and to me and so deep. I never even considered the weather of a planet in my entire life being different and going there. Like I never thought about you need a you need a person who can understand the weather to be, be a weatherman. I just it's interesting. He's probably still wrong about the weather, just like our current yeah, every time. Yeah. First of all, well, I mean, he was. He's like, there's a hundred percent chance of tornadoes and volcanoes, and we didn't get any of okay, them. Okay, so. places <laughs> places outside Ohio, the weather's normal. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in Ohio though. It's 21 minute and 50 later. It's just it's Ohio. Thing. Yeah. Everywhere else is normal though. The weathermen know what they're doing. Yeah. Here, here they're like, mm, we think it might be 70 tomorrow. Like, you know, our <laughs> listeners are going to probably think that we have a thing against Ohio. I do. Oh. Fuck this state. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they have a thing against the weather in Ohio. It just There's a reason all the memes uh, make us out to be terrible. Yeah. The weather? Cause, cause well, we what is most of our astronauts come from Ohio? So what's that say yeah, about Ohio? They, they want to leave the, the planet. Leave the Earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the other cool thing about this scene, though, is that the weird like bird, bird creature that he shoots is actually another thing that was briefly seen in the the cage episode, the pilot. Uh, it was very briefly seen in one of the other uh, cages there. So they, they're getting some extra use out of some of this stuff, which is real cool. This guy actually kind of seems like the collector from uh, the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that earlier. When I saw them together, I thought it was like the collector. I, really thought, I thought I had the same idea, too. That was a good reference, Dan. Yeah, so... um. So Trelane's like super pumped about this phaser and Kirk just walks up and calmly takes it back and asks Trelane if uh, if he's going to kill them. And he just explains, you know, how he set everything up. And he says that, you know, they they being his own species 
uh, had developed a system to change matter into energy and then back into matter again. And Kirk's like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of like our transporter system. And Trelane's like, no, like that's super crude. <laughs> like our shit's way better. And uh, he says that their system also allows them to alter the item's uh, shape as well or, you know, at, at will. So Kirk asks Trelane, you know, he's like, hey, did you create this room by rearranging matter on the planet? And Trelane's like, hell yeah, I did. So Kirk is just like, I got more questions for you. And Trelane's like, no, we're not. We're not going to do that. And uh, he says, he's like, look, I just want you guys to be happy here and, you know, just like free of care. Uh, but Kirk's like, no, I really want to leave. And Trelane's like, well, all right, you can't leave. Like, if you're not going to talk to me, I want to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk's like, uh, you know, if you're not going to answer questions, let's, you know, we're just going to get the hell out of here. And Trelane's like, well, here's a, a demonstration of my authority. And he transports Kirk to an area of the planet that is filled with, like, you know, toxic da- gas. So he's like on his knees, just choking and stuff. And then Trelane brings it back and explains, you know, what he was transported to. And he's like, I know. sent you to the shadow realm. Yeah. And uh, so Trelane, you know, he's like, hey, you guys need to be- behave. And if you don't, then uh, I'm going to be very, very angry. And I was like, you know, uh, it's been a little while since we've dealt with a, a godlike being. So I'm-, I'm pretty OK with this for right now, because it- remember, it was like the first four episodes was, was shit like this. You brought it up yeah, now. Nice break, I was going to bring so. it up at the end in my summary. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm just going to say no. I, I like <laughs> I'm I'm over the I think they did it smart the way to end it over that idea but like the whole idea of a all these aliens being godlike peak, peak creature with all these godlike powers it just it it leaves it leaves the fa- fantasy part of it to be cool or whatever but it but I don't know it just I don't know it's not it's not fun for me I, I yeah it's really it. weird that like all of these other uh, species are you know omnipotent like just godlike beings and. You know, we're just humans. Like, we really got the the short end of the stick, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> like, we just, we kind of suck, to be honest, like, compared to all these other uh, species that they keep finding. I will say, though, the godlike beings are very conceited and childish. Well, yeah, I mean, you would be, though, right? Like, if you can do anything and everything. I don't know. Like, or, I, I feel or maybe, like you would be that or way. you could be really smart. Like, I just, maybe it's the depiction of them I haven't enjoyed. Maybe they get some godlike creatures that are more intelligent and, like, above us and aren't, I don't know childlike or like uh without restraint you know maybe if they had something that, that could do whatever they want, want to do but don't that would be interesting to yeah me. but like, then like what would be what would even be the point of that i don't know that's the whole point like i just like right now they just they're, they well, got like powers and they just do what the hell they want to do they don't they did it what five times now they've already did it and this is yeah. or more I want to see a godlike being leading an army of doom, like Dark Sidewood, and just like conquering planets. And Kirk have to like, oh, I got guess I'm gonna have to beat this guy somehow. That would be cool. Yeah, I bet Kirk would get his ass beat. I think it's more. They've actually he was in Spock in first. They've been super uh, lucky in that the godlike beings that they've encountered are pretty incompetent. And you know, Spock's or uh, yeah, Spock and Kirk have been able to you know pull one over on them. But yeah, you get like too. one competent being, and like yeah, they're, they're yeah, fucked. Yeah, that too. Like, that, that's kind of, that kind of annoys me. It's like we got this guy like creatures, or whatever that seem to be unintelligent, uninspiring, and somehow they get tricked by the humans to survive. Well, maybe maybe their greatest weakness is underestimating you know lower life forms. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're, just, yeah, that and their overconfidence. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I'm just being me. Yeah, so we go to commercial after that, and we come back with Spock giving a captain's log. It says that they've orbited the planet 14 times now, and they've received no word from Kirk 
or the landing party. And they've diverted power to their sensors and detected one small area on the surface that seems to be stable. So Scotty then asks Spock, he's like, hey, you know, how do you explain this area? Which is a really weird question to ask. Like, why the fuck would you ask him? He don't know. But Spock's like, you know, I don't, Mr. Scott. It simply exists. Artificial, perhaps, or a freak of nature. But the fact remains that life can exist in that area. And, and like, yeah, like, what else are you going to say? Like, dude, I don't, I don't fucking know. It's a, you know, it's a freak of nature, like Scott Steiner. Spock should have been like, there's probably a godlike being down there. We, we've seen yeah. a few of those already. <laughs> yeah, that's the logical answer is that there's a, some kind of, like, god down there. But uh, they take a second and they discuss uh, how they should scan the area and beam up any life forms they find, which is a, a ter- terrible idea. Like, you, you find any life form down there and you're going to bring it on the ship. I um, thought it would have been funny if they brought up some crazy creature that would like yeah. start wrecking the ship. <laughs> like, I thought that would be an awesome part of an episode. I thought just well, they bring up one of those giants from the last episode, yeah, so, something like, so, like <laughs> that. Just starts wrecking That'd be a great ship. episode to where, like, you know, they transport life and they actually get the wrong person, the wrong creature, or something. And then they start going through killing people in the ship. I don't know. I'm just interested in. I thought it, they just the way they did it. It'll kind of annoy me again, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be pretty hilarious for them to teleport like some kind of like tarantula monster thing on board. Like, oh, yeah. God, send it back. Send it back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Scotty's just like, hey, you know, are you, Spock, are you just basically shooting in the dark here? And, and Spock's like, well, it's either that or we don't do anything. So we go back to the planet and Trelane is uh, showing off the past battle flags of various Earth factions. And uh, he goes back to playing the harpsichord. And Sulu has a little discussion with the crew. Uh, he wants to know, you know, he's like, hey, where do you think Trelane came from? And McCoy is like, well, you know, what I found in my scan is pretty un- unbelievable. And Kirk is like, well, is Trelane alive? Which is a really, really weird thing to just ask out of the blue. He's like, is this guy even alive? And Bones is like, well, you know, not in the way that we define life, but the scan doesn't even show that Trelane exists at all, alive or dead. Um, Which is a, a pretty interesting little little thing there. But, I thought it was interesting. I liked it. It was, it was that that I found that I found cool. You know, it would have been funny if uh, someone if Bones was like, you know, we might be sharing a mass hallucination from yeah. all the toxic <laughs> gas on the planet. <laughs> yeah, they're they're actually just down there like suffocating to death, but they're they're all just hallucinating oh, as they die. <laughs> uh, boy, that would be a dark fucking ending to this one, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> uh, so Jaeger points out that you know the wood fire. Uh, in the fireplace that it doesn't give off any heat. And Kirk's like, well, you know, whatever we're dealing with here, you know, he certainly isn't all knowledgeable and that, you know, he makes mistakes. So Trelane's still playing the harpsichord and he turns around and he asks if they're discussing some deep laid plans. And he says he can't wait to see the crew evolve or the, the plans of the crew evolve. And Kirk then approaches him and he's like, look, we haven't planned anything. Uh, but Trelane's like, all right, I don't believe that. And, Kirk just goes on to talk about, uh, you know, their duty and the task that they have to perform and, you know, how they want to get out of there. And Trelane just says that he can't let them go because he was getting bored before they came by. So, you know, now he's got somebody to talk to and, and hang out with. You know, the one problem with that is if he can do all this, you know, rearranging a matter, why didn't he create himself a friend to talk to? Yeah. Could have made the salt vampire come to life or something. Well, the salt vampire doesn't really want to talk. It just wants salt. Maybe, yeah, that's true. Maybe uh, maybe he didn't do it because he likes the unpredictability of the, the crew. Like, maybe if he made people to talk to, then they would be boring. Okay, but so uh, guys... That's a fair point. Did you guys not, did you guys not notice something that he, about his powers? He didn't create anything alive. 
That's true. We didn't. Yeah, he he did, he made a bunch of stuff, but nothing he created is alive. Only they're alive. So I'm assuming that he can't create life, but he can. He but he can manipulate material uh, matter itself. Yeah, that's so a, that's a very fair point. So yeah, so I'm assuming that he saw people finally. He's like, oh look, people. You know, uh, people I've been studying. You know, all these years. I mean, bring them on, bring them over here, whatever. And I want to keep them to so they can entertain me because I have I have no idea. I can't actually create people. Or, or he would have had a bunch of people already. You got to think about it that way. You know, there's no way he'll be there by himself the whole damn time. Yeah, I actually, I did not think of that. You know what Kirk could have done since this guy was lonely? Like, oh, hey, you're lonely. We could use a guy like you that has these kind of powers. Want to come on our ship with us and just uh, visit all of space? I bet Starfleet has uh, a rule against that because they seem to have a rule against everything. They're like, no taking on godlike beings. <laughs> we, we don't need another Gary Mitchell. Uh yeah uh yeah none of that situation yeah so uh so Trelane says that uh the crew has to stay until it's over and kirk asks until you know what's over but Trelane dodges a question and he's like hey just go enjoy yourself today because tomorrow may not come at all so kirk just you know keeps explaining say it's this classic kirk stuff in these situations you know i have a duty to the men and women of my ship and and Trelane's like, oh, there's women on that ship. All right, now now we're we're getting somewhere. He's so like, oh, right. He yeah, he goes to like do his little wrist flick to bring him down, but Kirk just grabs his arm and tells him no. He's like, no. By the <laughs> like, way, which bad. is one of the most like raw shit ever. By the way, he's like, yeah, oh, I, he's I know you're bad. a guy like powers, bro, but uh, nah, he ain't doing that. Like that moment, yeah, I was like, it's one of the one of Kirk moments where I was like, okay, yeah, he's Kirk. Yeah, those women are for Kirk and Kirk only. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Trelane just kind of throws a fit. And he's like, well, I can do anything I want. And uh, at this point, McCoy gets a transporter signal. And he's like, Trelane's like, well, you know, what? what is that? Or, you know, what's a transporter? Or what's, you know, the transporter signal? And uh, Kirk's like, well, it means that the party is over, thanks to Spock. So Trelane tells him that he hasn't dismissed them yet, but they just transport out anyway. And they're just out of there. And I was like, man, there's no way that that ends that easily. Like, that's, What if it did? They Episode just get on the over. ship and leave. <laughs> they just get on and leave and like, that's it. I would have threw my TV. <laughs> I'd have been like, uh, what? Did I just waste 50 minutes of my life? They're like, sorry, it's a half episode this week, guys. Yeah, <laughs> like, we we yeah. couldn't think of anything else. I, hey, Kirk's off the issue a lot faster this time around. He's getting better. Well, he really didn't do anything but just chill. Like Spock took care of it. Well, see, see, Paul Spock is you know pulling his weight. Wait, first of yep. all, I did say this episode that Spock did redeem himself from last episode a lot, not all the way, but a lot. He made some very sound judgment this time. Yeah. So, um, back on the ship, uh, Spock explains that they beamed up every life form in the area, and McCoy confirms at this point that Trelane is not a life form then because he did not get you know beamed up with them. So they rush to the bridge to try to fly away from the planet. As McCoy tries to explain to Uhura what happened, but he's just like, ah, you know, I, I really can't explain it. Which is like, why you've, it was a stupid scene. She's like, what happened on there? And he's like, well, you know, well, actually, never mind. <laughs> he could have said godlike powers. Yeah, godlike being. I, I actually thought the scene was uh, good for, I don't know why I enjoyed the scene. I actually thought it was, I know it was kind of useless at the same time. It just clarified it was unexplainable. I know it's kind of stupid. But like it but, just—it's it's just kind of funny that it's like she's like, "What happened down there?" He's like, "Fuck if I know." <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much. Right. Yeah, good, good point. 
Yeah, so uh, suddenly Trelane appears on the bridge, uh, wondering why they don't display their weapons like he does. He's like, you know, why don't you guys have, like, you know, swords and shit hanging up or, like, phasers and stuff everywhere? Uh, he says that he's only a little bit upset with Kirk, and he wants to know which one of those people on the bridge is Spock. Like, who the fuck is Spock? Yeah. <laughs> Who's that son of a bitch that ruined my party? And Spock's like, that's me. I'm that son of a bitch. And Trelane's <laughs> like, well, you know, you're not even a human. He's like, thank you. Yeah, I actually am surprised he didn't say that. Thanks. Uh, But Spock explains that his father is from the planet Vulcan, and Trelane's like, well, are Vulcans predatory? And Spock replies, not generally, but there have been exceptions. So basically, like, back the fuck off. Yeah. So uh, then Trelane asks Kirk, uh, he's like, hey, are you going to see to Spock's punishment for messing everything up? And Kirk's like, well, no, I actually commend him, you know, and his actions. And so then Trelane's just like, well, I don't like Spock. <laughs> okay. What was Kirk supposed to do? do? Send, send Spock to his room without pudding? Yeah, he like, grabs he's not him. He's pudding tonight. Yeah. He grabs him, pulls him over to the captain's chair, bends him over his knee and just spanks him. <laughs> he's like, bad, bad <laughs> Spock. <laughs> what do you guys think the odds are that there is fan fiction where Kirk spanks Spock? Uh, I don't want to see uh, that. Probably 125,000%. <laughs> It's out there. It Listen, has to try, be. Start by Star Trek people. I love you to death, but some of you guys out there are extra. There's a whole lot of, you know, there's a whole <laughs> lot of uh, uh, stories out there, celebrity stories, with everybody having sex. Uh, the, the gay version, then they got the straight version, then they got the trans version. They got all these different versions of, the, of these stories out there. They're everywhere. It is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, if you're... If you hear this and you know where to find fan fiction of Kirk spanking Spock, uh, tweet it to us at WWST underscore podcast. <laughs> this screenshot I posted, we know it exists. We know it exists. And if it doesn't exist, maybe you should be the one to write it, you know? I'm interested in the name of science. That's all. <laughs> oh, my God. What does this show become? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know it's gonna be terrible when you get like 40 messages <laughs> I, I hope we do <laughs> i'll read get, every one of them we're gonna get censored you're like yo we gotta get rid of these guys these guys are talking about <laughs> no oh my gosh uh, i'd also expect spock spanking or i would accept spock spanking kirk spanking <laughs> kirk yeah would that be logical yeah was, give was him, banking to be logical for spock give him the old vulcan nerve pinch right on the butt cheek you know? <laughs> oh. He's in the nerve pitch of the butt cheek. No. I can't sit. I haven't been sitting down all week, man. You see, you see Kurt in his captain chair leaning on one side. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This show. He's, he's got one of those, like, donut things, like inflatable donut things. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. So, uh, yeah, so oh. Kirk demands that Tre- uh, Trelane leaves the ship. And Trelane's like, oh, we should go back to Gothos. And then he just transports them all back to the planet, and they're in a, a dining room now. Um, DeSalle, again, tries to attack Trelane, but he gets frozen. And Man, he's a go-getter. Yeah, he just, no, no bullshit. He's like, I'm tired of this, I'm going to try to shoot you twice, and I'm going to try to attack you after that. Uh, but yeah, he gets frozen, and Kirk's like, hey, you know, let him go. And so Trelane just lets him go. Like, no, no fight involved. Uh... Trillane's like, hey, you know, don't provoke me again. You know, you guys need to sit down, have have some food, have a little bit to drink. And uh, Trillane's like, hey, you know, you haven't introduced me to any of the women of the crew because he transported, you know, a couple of women down with him. And Kirk introduces uh, Trillane to Uhura and Yeoman Teresa Ross. And Trillane goes in and tries to kiss Ross, but Kirk pulls him back. 
And and I'm just like, is is every woman on the Enterprise just like just stunning? Like, like I know we've talked about this before, but I told you, dude, uh, they're I all just good looking already. women. I told you, it's like it's that. a requirement. Yeah, it's pretty bad to be good looking to work under Kirk. Yeah, it's he's it, like no, he's like no uggos. It's, yeah. like, it's like every yeoman is a is a blue a blue eyes and blonde hair. I told you, every yeoman. Yeah, every I mean, one of them. Yep. Yeah. He has a type. Yep. Hey, do you think there's fan fiction of Kirk spanking the yeoman's on? <laughs> there's definitely guaranteed. fan fiction about Kirk doing a lot of things to yeomans. Yeah, guaranteed. Um, yeah, so Kirk then formally introduces Trelane to Spock, and Trelane asks Spock if he realizes that he was brought there because of Kirk, and Spock just says affirmative. And so Trelane's just like, you know, I really don't like your your tone here, Spock, and it's it's very challenging. He's like, are you challenging me? And and Spock says this direct quote here because it's a fantastic quote, and this series is full of just really good shit like this. But he says, "I object to you. I object to intellect without discipline. I object to power without constructive purpose." And like, it's such a good fucking line that even Kirk is over there just like smirking, like hell yeah, like just fucking got him. Like it's it's such a relevant like, quote to just everything. Yeah, I like I like Kirk. I like it. Kirk really Kirk. is. It really is though. It was a good quote. Yeah. So. Uh, Trelane's in, you know, he's like, well, I guess you have one saving grace, you know, you're ill-mannered, you know, he likes the fact that Spock spoke up against him, and he's just like, well, fuck this, I'm gonna go dance with Yeoman Ross, and he wants Ahura to play the harpsichord, but she says, I don't know how to play this shit, so Trelane just takes control of her hands and, and makes her play it. Oh, I must have missed that. I, I didn't, I didn't I see I must that. have missed that part, because I'm like, damn, can she play every instrument? Yeah, I didn't see that either. Yeah, she's like, I don't know how to do this. And he's like, oh, no big deal. And just like does his little wrist wave thing. And then her hands just start playing it. And like at first she's super surprised. She's like, wow, this is really, really nutty. Then we get a couple of shots of her just like enjoying it. She's like, fuck yeah, I'm a beast at this. And it's like, it's not even her doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even Um, notice that. Yeah. So uh, Trelane goes over to dance with Yeoman Ross and Sulu gets up from the table to go talk to Kirk. And McCoy's just chilling there drinking some alcohol. He's like, shit, yeah, dude, I got to get drunk. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) uh, In Rome. Yeah, so he gets up and follows Sulu over, but he, he he brings his drink with him. And Sulu's like, look, how long are we going to go along with this? And Kirk's like, well, you know, we have to until we find a way out. And McCoy says that the food doesn't have any taste. He's like, you know, straw would be better than the meat and water would be better than the brandy. But even though, you know, it has no taste, he's still all about it. Well, the, 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 if the wine has no taste, does it still get you drunk, though? Yeah, that's what I was going to say is probably not because if Trelane doesn't know the taste, he probably also doesn't know the effect that it has, right? He probably just knows like the color of it and the name of it. I'm I'm assuming. Let's just say I've been to houses before and I've also ate food with no taste. (laughs) It ain't great. (laughs) It is not great. Salt is your friend. Season your meat, people. Salt is your 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 meat. Yeah. Yeah. It really, well, that's why you had, well, that's the problem. The salt vampire. Sucked all the salt off yeah. all the food before he served it. Oh, yeah. I see. I got to tell you, I'm real tired of going to restaurants that don't season their meat. <laughs> that shit's terrible. Yeah. And if you don't eat meat, then you, I guess you don't have to worry about it. That's fine. Do your thing. Um, But, uh, yeah, so Spock says that, uh, you know, hey, the food might be unappetizing, but it's very logical. And McCoy is like, well, there's that magic word again. Like, he's still pissed from the Galileo 7, and he's fucking tired of hearing about logic. <laughs> Like, he was just, like, instantly just kind of like, yeah, you know, there's that word again. And he's like... He's basically at the point, like, fuck your logic. Yeah. And 
he's like, yeah, does your logic find all of this fascinating? And Spock says that fascinating is a word that he uses for something that's unexpected. And that in this case, interesting would suffice. And it's just like, what a pedantic dick. <laughs> but wouldn't this just be say unexpected yes. also? Yeah. Just just no, say yes. Just yes, it's it. fascinating. Okay. With everything going on, Spock thinks everything that's happened to us, uh, that happened to them from this guy is logical. Even though unexpected would be something that would be, be against logic. Not... Something yeah. that's well, that, would be that's, against logic at this point. It's not. It's not against logic because he 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 knows why the food don't have taste because the guy has no like, idea the food does what what he knows he can see it all but doesn't know anything about it. So like like if the Enterprise were to hit like a space cow, would that be interesting <laughs> to Spock? That uh, depends or would that be on logical. If, that logical depends too. on if the existence of space cows is known and if they frequently are run into by vehicles. Yes, but uh, so Kirk then does ask if. You know, Spock finds any of what's happening unexpected, and he says no. He says that Trelane simply knows all of Earth's forms, but he doesn't know any of the substance. So that's why he uh, just finds it interesting instead of unexpected. And Kirk's like, well, you know, then that means that Trelane is fallible, and he can't be all-powerful, and he has to have something helping him, like maybe a machine or a device that, that does these things for him. So they turn to watch Trelane and Ross uh, dance, and Trelane changes Ross's starship outfit into like a fancy dress. And then this is when we get that shot of Ahura playing the harpsichord where she's just like, hell yeah. And uh, Kirk notes that Trelane never wanders from the mirror on the wall, amusing that, you know, maybe it's part of an ego thing. Like he just likes to see himself in the mirror. And Spock is like, well, you know, is it his ego or is it something else? Which is one of those things I hate about Spock. Like, is it something else? Just fucking say what you think it is, dude. But... They talk about the mirror for a second, and they wonder what kind of machine could do what Trelane is doing. And Kirk wonders if a machine could be, you know, doing everything. And, if, you know, if it is, maybe it could be kept in the house somewhere. But Spock doesn't think so, and he thinks that a device capable of doing all of that would have to be absolutely huge. And Kirk agrees with that. So uh, Kirk just is like, hey, you know, maybe we can solve, you know, this problem at the source. And he turns, you know, the source being uh, Trelane. So he turns and loudly tells the crew that Trelane's actions are those of an immature, unbalanced mind. He just, like, says it really loudly. And Trelane just, like, quits dancing. And he's like, hey, you know, I heard that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to dispense with you. And so Kirk tells him that uh, he's like, hey, you only heard part of that. And uh, I want you to leave my crew alone, you know, and stop dancing with the woman because or with the women because, you know, I don't like it. And he, he goes and pulls Ross like, That's away. my woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he pulls Ross away and says that he doesn't want her, you know, accepting Trelane's gifts. And uh, he takes her, like, pulls one of the gloves off her hand and takes, like, this little hat thing she has off. She kind of looked upset yeah, she, about she, that. She yeah, she was having the time yeah, of her life. Yeah, she's about to be, oh my, I saw Car Captain, like, it, it, it put her off. And he didn't apologize about it either. He was rude. Yeah. Like, I yeah, she's over there like, man, I could get used to this. Like, if I stay with this dude, I could have anything I ever wanted. Yeah, he, he was. I might not eat good food and drink wine, but you know, yeah, all the fancy clothes I want. So Trelane's like, "Look, you're just jealous," and you know they they argue back and forth for a second, and uh, Trelane is like, "Hey, you know, you just you fight for attention and admiration and for the possession of women." And Kirk's like, "Well, you know, hey, if it's fighting you want, then you know you're gonna get it." And he just slaps Trelane across the face with a glove, you know, to challenge him with a duel. Which was great. <laughs> the slap sound is fucking amazing. But uh, I actually wanted him to do it a few times to give him a little yeah. slappy slap. <laughs> a little back and forth slap, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Trelane no-sold it. Like, he didn't react at all. <laughs> He's just like, all right. 
but then he gets super pumped and he runs over and grabs this box that has two like 1800s uh, dueling pistols. Which I wanted Sulu to geek out over. Right? To be like, oh man, I don't have one of those in my collection either. But uh, yeah, he gives one to Kirk and he's like, yeah, you know, just to, to let you know, I never miss. So they go to the commercial break and they come back and we get the first uh, delayed captain's log that we've had. Uh, it's just Kirk explaining the situation and uh, he's talking about how he has a field of honor gambit and, uh, you know, he's just looking over the, the 1800s pistol and Trelane is like still super excited to duel and, you know, they're getting ready and then he stops and he's like, hey, you know, since I was the one that was challenged and I get to shoot first and Kirk says, you know, no, we got to shoot at the same time and Trelane's like, no, it's my game, my rules and then he uh, points the gun over to Spock in an attempt to like persuade Kirk so it works. You know, Kirk's like, all right, you know, you can shoot first. You know, Kirk should have been like, shoot him. He, he's indestructible. <laughs> yeah, like nothing can stop this guy anyway. So, yeah, Kirk relents and he's like, yeah, you know, you can shoot first. And Trelane takes aim and then he just pulls his gun back, like aims it up at the ceiling and just fires into the ceiling. And he's like, you know, hey, now my fate is in your hands. So Kirk aims at Trelane and then at the last second he uh, pulls his gun over and he shoots the mirror and he breaks the mirror and destroys the machine that was behind the mirror. And Trillane's like, oh, man, you know, you ruined everything. So DeSalle's like, hey, you know, uh, the subspace interference is clearing and we can get out of here. And so Kirk's like, all right, try to get a hold of the ship. So Trillane is just like upset at Kirk and is surprised. Uh, you know, he's like, hey, I'm really surprised, you know, at the treachery of your species. Well, you know, what's funny about that. He's like, he, he's mad that. Kirk shot the mirror instead of him. Yeah. And, and like, he thinks that he was betrayed somehow, but he's like, this is the kind of shit that he wanted mirror. for them. Yeah. Like this is the whole reason he brought them down was for shit like that. Yeah, it's, it's, just sort it's of like the randomness exactly. of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like the, this part is interesting. So to me, it's kind of dull. Honestly, it's just a whole lot yeah. of random ass dialogue for like five or 10 minutes that could have been cut to like three minutes to me. And it just drags yeah, on. Not a whole lot of direction on. here. No. Drags on, drags yeah. on. I find it, yeah, go ahead. Pretty good. Yeah, so uh, Kirk tells Trelane, he's like, hey, you know, everything's over. It's, you know, it's all over. Like, we're, we're done here. And uh, Trelane tells him to go back to their ship and prepare because they're all dead, especially you, Kirk. And uh, he runs towards the mirror and he just disappears. Uh, so Kirk calls the Enterprise and, you know, gets them all beamed on board. And then they go back to the ship and they're back on their course to deliver the supplies and getting like, ready. Go, go, go. Yeah, and they're getting ready to use emergency warp to leave the planet's influence. And they talk about trying to send a signal to, you know, report the events to the Starfleet. But Kirk's like, well, you know, let's wait until we leave the system. You know, that way we can hopefully be out of uh, whatever Trelane's range is. And yeah, it's not very often Kirk's like, I want to get the fuck away from this situation. Yeah, and like, why, why wait? You have, you know, 400 people on board the Enterprise. One of them can, you know, file the report while you worry about this. It's not like you got to sit and do it. But uh, Yeoman Ross approaches Kirk and uh, takes his like the data pad that he has. And she's like, hey, can I go and uh, change out of this dress now? And he's like, oh, yeah, like, no, yeah, <laughs> no, you got to. That's that's now regular Starfleet uniform for males and females. <laughs> that fancy oh, dress. Get out of here. Uh, fan fan fictions. Spock's like, no, that's not logical. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so he tells her to turn in her glass slippers because the ball is over. And she leaves the bridge, and and Kirk like kind of smirks, and he he says something weird. He's like, 
uh, he, he like mutters to himself. He's like, oh, it's hard to believe that that never happened. Like that what never happened that he like didn't sleep with her. But he has this like really <laughs> weird, goofy he, he ass smile. He almost like smile. bites his lip like, he's like, oh, I'm trying to resist. Yeah, he has like a really goofy smile that I feel like was more Shatner than Kirk. Like I feel like that line was Shatner and not Kirk. Oh, like it Shatner, is like, I can't, improv I can't. or something? Yeah, well, like that, you know, Shatner wanted him some of that girl. But, uh, yeah, so DeSalle announces that there's a large body ahead of them, and they look on the screen to see that it's the planet that they just left behind. And they're on a collision course with that planet, so Kirk orders them to evade, and they narrowly avoid hitting the planet, and then it appears in front of them again, and they narrowly avoid hitting it again, and it just shows up again. And they do this a couple of times until... Kirk is finally like, okay, you know, let's enter the planet's orbit and prepare the transport room so I can go back down to the surface. You notice Kirk didn't give the crew of the Enterprise, like, a heads up, like, oh, hey, uh, if you're doing anything important, you might want to stop because we're going to be taking sharp turns. Yeah, it's another one of those things where 99% of the ship has no fucking clue what's going on. Like, you're you're eating, you know, dinner and you stab yourself in the face with a fork because all of a sudden the <laughs> ship went sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Several times, like okay, back and forth. Too. Okay, that was something I never thought about before. You sitting there eating, and all of a sudden the ship just starts sliding over. Yeah, all your yeah. food falls down. Man, I be want to fight somebody. I be coming to the bridge like, yo, well, you know, also they're gonna really make you clean that up, even though that was your fault. I just spent two hours slaving on this meal, man. Two hours slaving on this nice meal that I was about to eat, and you had to go do this right now. I, oh man, I be fighting. Well, yeah, you might get jolted out of bed when you're, you know. When shit's going on like that. It's yeah. like a cartoon and you go to like stab your fork into a piece of food, but the plate slides to the other side of the table. So you move <laughs> down there and try to get it and it slides back to the yeah. other side. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So uh, McCoy is protesting Kirk going back down to the planet, but Kirk's, you know, he's determined to go. And he says that if they don't hear anything from him in an hour to just leave the area immediately. But like he knows full well they can't just leave because they literally just experienced that. So he uh, he beams down and he ends up in a dark room and from behind, he hears Trelane tell him to approach the bench. And Trelane is dressed like a judge, and they're in like a courtroom kind of mock-up. So Trelane tells Kirk, he's like, hey, you know, if you try to do anything, you know, it's going to be used against you in the court. And then like a light shines on the wall behind Kirk, and there's a, a silhouette of a noose there. And uh, Trelane goes on to say, you know, he's like, hey, my instrumentality is unbreakable this time. So I guess that means like the machine, like he has a backup one, and that, you know, it can't be broken. So Kirk, uh, he tells Trelane, he's like, look, I've had enough of, of these games. And Trelane's like, you know, that's, you know, you inferior beings are, are just really like absurd. And uh, he tells Kirk that the charges against him uh, include treason against a superior authority and conspiracy and an attempted insurrection. And he asks Kirk how he Which, pleads. What, so, well, what a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> he's oh, just yeah. like, I'm well, mad at you. Also, he said against a superior authority. Who said you're the superior authority? Like, he is. He's, well, he's no, God like me. Well, well, yeah, but he, but he hasn't. He has actually said it. That I'm superior authority. So you know, technically, he hasn't. He hasn't broken any kind of. Yeah, he didn't he identify himself yeah, as yeah. a cop. <laughs> yeah, so he said he identified himself as the superior person. <laughs> being technically, I didn't do nothing wrong here. Like you never said that what you were. Yeah, like but, dude, you abducted me. Well, like on that note, I'm surprised he didn't hit him for like resisting arrest and like speeding in the ship trying to get away. And none of them had seatbelts on on that bridge. So just slap him with every bit of it. It's like, can I see that, the insurance like, policy for the Enterprise, please? Why is there no seatbelts on the bridge? Now that you bring that up, it doesn't make sense. Like not seatbelts, but like straps to keep you in. Like seatbelts. Yeah, I was gonna say because there's really straps. like no chairs. 
or anything. Yeah. Because anytime somebody something happens, they turn the ship and then everybody's falling over. Like if we drop stuff guys in or something, that might work better. I don't know. Which to our earlier point, there would have to be more than one doctor on board. Because you'd imagine people are getting hurt left and right. Yeah. Even even when they turn, they're not telling nobody. Thirty degree turn. Yeah. I tell nobody. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So there's got to be more than one doctor. Has to be. Yeah. So. He asks Kirk how he pleads, and Kirk says that he hasn't come to plead and that he's just there to get his ship back. And uh, he argues that, you know, he's the one that led his crew and, you know, he wants Trelane to let the other ones go because it was him that was making all the decisions. And, uh, you know, he's the one that broke the machine. So Trelane is like, hey, you know, do you think that that was the only machine? And Kirk's like, well, you know, I took that chance and I'm willing to, to pay the price for being wrong for that. So Trelane's like, all right, so you admit to the charges. And Kirk's like, yeah, I do. And I just want the Enterprise to be able to continue its journey. And like he, you know, he yells this out. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm guilty. You know, just let them go. So Kirk then just like starts to insult Trelane. And uh, Trelane's like, all right, you know, you're guilty on all counts. And I'm sentencing you to hang until you're dead. Which would be weird if he didn't. If he just hung him not to be dead. Like, I'm going to hang you for 20 seconds. That's always been the... Uh, the the saying is like even in old West movies, they're like, yeah, you know, you're sentenced to hang until you're dead. So did they have a, an instance one point where they hung somebody and they didn't die and they had to let them go because they'd already been hanged, but they didn't die from it. And they're like, damn it. Like we got to, you know, we got to fix that loophole. Actually. Yes. I believe there is a thing. If they hang you and it, and the thing breaks, you get to go or something. Oh. Like, like I, th- I think it's some old like thing I read a long time ago, and they were saying sometimes that's why the news has evolved over all these years, like hanging because at one point like certain people there the ropes would break or the tree would break or whatever and they hung them on. And they're like, oh, they must not they, they must not be supposed to they supposed to live, so they would let them let yeah. them live. And then they were already hanged that once, so they can't yeah, do it again. They can't do it again. Huh. Yeah, so I think they say huh. hang to your death because if the uh, if the thing breaks, they can just do it again until you die. Okay, well, I mean that makes sense, but. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's really not just coming up with some kind of thing I read one day. No, I think you're right because I think I remember hearing a story uh, someone surviving an electric chair and they're like, well, he survived it. So, you know, from their point of view, God doesn't want him dead. So send them back to prison. Well, uh, we didn't go back to prison, but we did go back to the Enterprise. You like that segue? <laughs> 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 and, uh, uh, Spock's giving a captain's log and uh, says that their hour of waiting time is almost up and that they're going to have to leave pretty soon. And we go back to the planet and Trelane's talking about, you know, he didn't think it was possible, but he actually experienced some genuine rage when dealing with Kirk. And he says that the experiment was that he was conducting was successful. And Kirk is like, he gets really sarcastic and he's like, well, you know, I'm glad you weren't disappointed. And uh, that was well, like, if he was trying to get, if the experiment worked, why are they being hung for something that he wanted to experience? Yeah, that's what I didn't get about this, basically this entire episode. But uh, at this point, I was like, man, this better not be the part where Trelane's like, yeah, it was all just a big experiment and none of it really mattered and you can go home. Well, but thankfully, that's not what happened. Uh, so Trelane's like, hey, you know, do you have any last requests? And Kirk, uh, he's like, well, I don't, but I can tell you I'm not putting my head in that noose. And Trelane's like, well, you don't really have a choice and makes the rope start to move over towards Kirk. Trelane just comments. He's like, you know, this whole thing is really tiresome and really easy. And, and Kirk's like, well, you know, that's that's your problem is that everything that is, is easy, it's all easy for you. And uh, you don't ever think about anything. So you miss opportunities. He's like, you know, you really enjoyed 
the anger that you felt, but uh, you could have accomplished it without me. And, you know, you're a, a bumbling, inept fool. So he tells Trelane that, uh, you know, he has an opportunity to experience something unique and that he's wasting it on a simple hanging and, you know, asks him where the sport is in that. Kirk's uh, trash talk is pretty good here. Well, it's the it's very it's very clever. Like he j- uses his mind, realizing that this guy he he just wants to experience new things. It's not yeah. it's not that he's evil, you know. It's not that he's ba- the person is bad. It just want new experience, or whatever. And the issue is nobody's they they don't they don't like being told no. And it, and also they, he can't be told no because he can do what the hell he wants to do. Right. So, so I think it's just, it's very, I like Kurt's plan of attack this time was just a real good idea. I thought, I thought it was done very smart. Yeah, and then, uh, so Kirk says a line here that makes me question the 44 deaths on board the Enterprise so far. Because he's like, hey, you know, you could experience the terror and the suspense and the fun of murder. <laughs> I'm just like, is Kirk a mass murderer? <laughs> Did he take pleasure in the forty-four people of his crew dying? He's like, well, yeah, they weren't any of his, fun. No, 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 no. They weren't any of his friends. Yeah, <laughs> coworkers. Yeah, he's like, know, I, I know firsthand. Co- yeah, I know firsthand what it's like to take a life, and it's you know suspenseful and it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's just uh, he's he's a murderer, but uh. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a far cry between uh, perfect and murdering 44 people. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Trelane he seems pretty interested, and he's like, well, "What do you suggest?" And Kirk's like, "Well, how about like a personal conflict? You know, unlike the duel, and you know, this will be higher stakes because the stakes are going to be my life." So Trelane just gets pumped, and he goes and grabs this sword from a table, which I didn't even see a sword there. Like, why the fuck is a sword there in your courtroom table? But Kirk's like, hell yeah, like that's the idea. And uh, Trelane's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm digging this. So he goes to swing the sword, but Kirk just grabs his wrist. And he's like, you know, no, like we can do better than this. Like there's not enough sport in just, you know, killing me with a sword. And so Trelane's like, you're right. We should do a royal hunt. And he says that uh, Kirk can go hide anywhere in the forest. And Kirk's like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm that sounds great to me. And uh, he's like you know, you're going to have to make it worth my while. And then I'm just like, oh, this is just, you know, it's the most dangerous game is what they're doing. Kirk hiding in the forest, getting hunted. Yeah. It's the most dangerous game. Yeah, but I've seen a bunch of, uh, movie, a couple of movies like that too. Yeah. Kirk is like, hey, you know, we have to up the stakes. Uh, he says that he wants his ship to be free and that he'll give Trelane a contest that he can remember. And Trelane's like, all right, hell yeah, like, let's do that. And then he just transports Kirk outside the building. But... If you want to, like, up the stakes for Trelane, why not just be like, hey, you know, during this whole thing, you can't use your powers. Like, it'll be really interesting because we'll be on a level playing field. But instead, he's oh, just I like, how about, about we just that. let, yeah, he's just like, just let my, my ship go and, you know, yeah. I'll try to make this interesting for you. I agree. I, th- I think it was a simple but, way to do it. Yeah, so he gets transported outside, and uh, he tries to contact the ship to tell him to leave, but he can't get through, and then Trelane just pops up and attacks him with a sword, so I feel like he did not count to 100. Like, he, I mean, he didn't <laughs> say he was going to, but I mean, he gotta give the guy some time, right? He didn't even give him enough time to hide. Yeah, gives him like 15 seconds and comes out swinging. So, uh, they have a, you know, a little chase, and Kirk gets away, he's still trying to contact the ship, and Trelane's still chasing him around, they do this for a little bit, and... Uh, Kirk finally catches Trelane off guard and uh, knocks the sword away from him. 
And Kirk picks up the sword, he swings at Trelane, and Trelane just vanishes. And then he reappears back where he was. So, like, that, you know, if they'd agreed not to use the powers, like, that could have been it. Yeah. But uh, Trelane congratulates Kirk on scoring first. And uh, he's, he's like, man, I've never played this game before. And so Kirk just, like, gets pissed and throws the sword. Because, you know, what point is it if he's never going to be able to actually hit him with it? And Trelane just materializes another sword in his hand and starts swinging at Kirk. And Kirk just, like, ducks and runs away. And they, you know... Trillane chases him for a little bit and Kirk grabs this tree branch and uh, they start fighting back and forth until the uh, tree branch break. Like Kirk gets in some solid hits that like beats the fuck out of him with that tree branch and uh, he breaks it over him and then or like breaks it against the sword and then he runs away and uh, he ended up doing like a he swung on the tree and like kicked him and knocked him down. Yeah, they, he makes his way back up to the, the front door and tries to go in, but it's locked. And uh, he tries his communicator again, but, you know, he can't get through. And then Trelane shows up and, like, materializes some uh, basically, like, just, like, Cage. barred walls. Yeah, like, barred walls on either side of him and traps Kirk. And he runs up to Kirk. And uh, Kirk's like, hey, you know, remember your promise. You know, you said you were going to let the Enterprise go. And Trelane's like, well, you know, I re- this is really fun. So I really want to bring everybody from there back to here. We can do the same thing. So Trelane's like, all right, you know, kneel down because I'm going to kill you now. And Kirk refuses to do that. And he's like, is your, you know, if if I'm not cooperating you, you know, you won, but you didn't beat me. And he's like, you know, is your victory still as sweet? He's like, I'm not defeated. And then he uh, takes the sword from Trelane and he just snaps it in two over his knee. Like, what an yeah, absolute like, How strong badass. is Kirk? Jeez. He's yeah. a badass, bro. That was the moment I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it just strong. fucking oh, breaks it. <laughs> like, oh, he's like, all right, dude. Don't don't piss Kirk off. Yeah. And uh, he tells Trelane that, you know, he's like, hey, you have a lot to learn about winning. And uh, you have a lot to learn about everything. And then he fucking slaps him and backhands him. Yeah. <laughs> he just slaps the <laughs> shit out <laughs> of him. Why, why? Oh, that's disrespectful. We got to fight after that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you got a lot to learn. He just like, oh, slaps I, I, I got I to gotta kick you right in the nuts. Like, we got to fight, fight. Like, we we got like, to really fight. You, you slap me. It, it's not the front slap. It's the backhand. Yeah, the, the backhand. The, the front slap. And the was sound like, effect is so good. Yeah, the, the sound the, effect the got me. The first slap was like, "Oh, you think something?" The back. The backhand was like, "Oh, you. Oh, you call me a what now?" Like, oh, like, oh yeah. okay. He he's in beast mode right now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's so out of nowhere. Just fucking slaps him. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a good slap in this show, though. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Trelane just like loses his shit and he's like, hey, you know, you cheated. And he's like, I'm going to show you. And then they get interrupted by uh, a woman's voice calling out to Trelane. And in the sky, two big old green blobs appear and a light shines on Trelane, like a spotlight. So Trelane tells the blobs, he's like, hey, you know, you promised that I could have this planet for myself. And and then a male voice is like, yeah, but, you know, you've gone far enough. And then Trelane starts complaining that they always stop him when he has when he's having fun. And I'm like, he's a fucking child. Like this whole thing was him. Just he's he's like a literal child. Now, I, I want to bring up. Didn't they do a parody of this in Futurama? Uh, probably it's I've, I've been through all of Futurama a couple times and I feel like there was something like this. Yeah. Like I want to say, uh, I, I think they brought the Star Trek cast on uh, that episode where, like, they gave like the bodies back, but it ended up being like a a godlike child. Yeah, and they had a big like, fight. Yep. And like the parents, quote unquote, came in at the end. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that episode now because I'll understand it with this context. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. Wrong. No, I, I think you're right on that. Uh, I remember that episode because it was like some kind of convention and uh, Michelle Nichols, uh, you know, came back for her role as Ahura. And I think she mentioned something about like they got confused about the the Star Trek Wars and the Star Wars Trek, which was pretty oh, solid. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so the uh, the floaty male voice says that Trelane has been disobedient and cruel. And then the woman tells him that it's time for him to come in. And I'm just yeah, he's a fucking kid. So Trelane protests and uh, he's like, I'm a general and I don't have to listen to you. And the male voice uh, insists. And, you know, Trelane's still just crying about it. And the voices tell him that, you know, if he can't take proper care of his pets, then he's not allowed to have them at all. And they tell him that, you know, the beings that he has are their their spirit is superior like they have spirit and that they are superior and that you know he'll understand one day when he grows up so Trelane just starts crying that he never gets to have any fun and uh the voices threaten to not allow him to make any more planets like he's they're just you know he, they're is, just treating him like a kid it's such a big thing that i took in my head they said oh look, i'm sorry little son you don't have to make any more planets make any more planets? Like, that's a whole lot of power. Like, yeah. to be able to make it. Like, I just, man, I just, I just put that reference. I thought, all these little kids don't have their own planet? Like, that's your toy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, go, go, go in your room, son. If he go, can go, make go planets, what can his parents do? That's right? The, yeah, that's like, Oh, man, go in there and go play with a planet. All right, mom, whatever. I'm tired of playing with this yeah. planet every day. Same thing, <laughs> you know? I want to play with something else. There's always volcanoes and tornadoes going off. Yeah, I just I, I think it's very interesting that they were talking about his power that way. Yeah, he just he wants to make a new planet, and she's like, "No, we have you know planet at home." Yeah, we have planet. <laughs> just like it's just shit like shit <laughs> that you don't play with. Yeah. Planet E Earth. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so Trelane's like just crying and and saying you know about talking about how he was winning, and and they're like, "No, you know you got to come home," and and then he just disappears and and the voices then apologize for the events and they say that they're going to maintain Kirk's life support systems while he returns to his ship. So, he calls the Enterprise and tells Spock to beam him up and then you know, we go to a little bit later on the bridge and they're preparing to approach Beta Colony 6 and Spock and Kirk wonder how to classify Trelane in their report. Uh and they're like, you know, uh would he be pure mentality or force of intellect or embodied energy or is he a super being so like they have a classification for these they've, they've done this enough that super being is a classification that's a good point yeah kirk's like how about we use god of war and i, I feel like kratos would object to that and would definitely go I, I, hunting that's what i thought of. <laughs> kratos, yeah. no yeah like I'll once he's once he's done with the norse gods he just goes like gives a fucking spaceship and goes out the gods charlie x yeah, he's a Charlie. Charlie just like goes, yeah. <laughs> you will die. Yeah. Charlie X. <laughs> oh my gosh. Someone needs to make the fan art of that now. Yeah. Oh God, just like Kratos impaling Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Charlie has that stupid fucking look on his face. <laughs> yeah, like so, uh, so... Spock says that he doesn't find the God of War title fitting, and Kirk's like, well, maybe we classify him as a small boy and a, a very naughty one at that. And I, this is a fucking fan fiction waiting. It's fan fiction. And uh, 
He also says that Trelane was probably doing things comparable to the things that Spock would have done as a child, like dipping uh, little girls' ha- curls in ink wells or stealing wow. apples from the neighbor's trees. Okay. Yeah, dude, that's <laughs> fucked up. The first one was uncalled for, sir. Yeah. <laughs> little girls pigtails and ink wells you monster yeah <laughs> you yeah that's are, real messed you up you are a serial killer bro oh my god I was and was that a thing at any point in history <laughs> yeah and like that's what i'm like when yeah. the fuck did kirk grow up grow up in the 1800s using <laughs> ink wells yeah I, I'll, I'll let that comment go i thought i get what you're saying though yeah so uh you know he's talking about the those kinds of things and he gets interrupted by just the look that spock gives him and he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. You know, I guess I should have known better. And then Spock walks away, but he, like, pauses and turns back and gives, like, the people's eyebrow. Because he's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, he's just, he didn't even ask. Like, that's one that he ain't even going to touch. Like, if you have Spock not curious about that shit, then you you probably should just shut the fuck no, up for Spock a second. Was, Spock was like, oh, my God, this guy's a monster. This is the yeah. little girl's hairs, pigtails, and inkwells. What in the world? He's like, Kirk is insane. You think I could have him classified as insane so I can run the ship? Yeah. He's like, I just leave people behind. You uh, dip girls in pigtails in <laughs> Yeah. Did I used to have... I wonder if that happened in school. I should have some... I need to find somebody older who used to ink wells. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know when they stopped using those. I don't know if it's impossible. Yeah. Do we even know anybody that used an ink well at this point? Well, it's 100 years ago. Is that how far... Is that far back, back far enough? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I know anybody that, that used inkwells. She was like, oh, yeah, back when I was in kindergarten, uh, little boys used to think our pigtails and inkwells. What? Yeah. Like, that, was, that was when they had to walk uphill both ways to go to school, too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. We just, uh, we presume they delivered the supplies and all's well that ends well. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. How do you feel about this? For the most part, I thought it was a fun episode. Uh, I didn't mind having, you know, the godlike being came back, you know, formula. Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. Not too many complaints. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually kind of bored with this one, to be honest with you. I just think it wasn't a terrible episode. Just kind of it seemed like it, it didn't really have a lot of direction in the beginning. And I don't know, just like it kind of felt like it was one of those like they were making it up as they went along, like they did with Shore Leave. But yeah, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't anything great. You know, godlike being blah, blah, blah. Kirk gets saved at the last second. He doesn't actually do anything of substance in this episode. Like, he just kind of exists. Like, yeah, he destroyed the machine, but at the end of the day, like, that didn't mean anything. And he, he lucked his way into another victory. And, uh, and no one died. Yeah, and nobody died. And, you know, like I said, not terrible, not great, uh, but it's not Mud's Women. So I will trash that episode every time I get the chance. <laughs> And yeah, that's it, uh, Paul. Um, I like to say the writing of this episode was terrible. Who written this episode? It was <laughs> the pacing was off, the story was off, everything about it was the, the writing was terrible. Because I, I, you know, I'm a right, I like to write, so I, I look into that. Um, the the look and design this episode was good. Like like it looked good, it looked cool, everything looked awesome. It's just I don't know what they're doing this episode. I don't get it. Like there were like there's really good parts random here and there like the ending with him being a kid like that actually that was kind of cool I was like oh yeah it's like his parents like yo bring bring come in the house you've been out to act on a fool like I got that reference or whatever but overall I just thought I don't know it just it wasn't very it, like I want to say it was like a, a one but I know it wasn't that bad and I want to say it was average because <laughs> I didn't I got through it but there were a whole section of just bored 
I was like, oh, this is really, really important. Yeah. And for an episode that in the first five minutes, I was hooked by the way they just disappeared. You know, I was hooked. I was hooked. And then as the story went along, I thought, man, this is not what I expected. I thought it would be better. I just, particularly after the last couple of episodes, they've been really, really good. So this one kind of, I, mean, I, I, yeah. I, you know, I didn't love it. It just, it's again. Yeah, it really dragged in the middle. Yeah. And like, what was the purpose of, you know, writing Sulu or DeSalle into this episode when neither one of them really did anything at all? Yeah. They didn't even die. Like, if they died, yeah. I would have I accepted it more. Yeah, they did nothing. Like, so they should have ended it when they first escaped the first time. Yeah, just fly away, just like real I, quick, honestly, like fifteen minute episode. If, if they could have dragged it out longer and that been the ending, like they found a way to do it, and it and it, like still them would take off, I could accept it. Maybe. So they 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 escaped the first time, then we did the rest of the episode is them dropping off the parts or them being chased or yeah. something like something more interesting. Like with that, with a planet chasing them the whole time, they're trying to escape the, from the planet because the planet's chasing them. You know, that's something cool episode to me. Like a planet that has all these powers chasing them. Like that sounds interesting to me, but like just like and that was the cool part of the episode. I thought, oh, that's really cool. The planet trying to chase them down, but it was just it was in between a bunch of crap, a bunch of a, a bu- there's a whole lot of crap in there. I just yeah. Anyway. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, they they go to escape and they fly out of like the influence of Trelane. And then just nothing happens. And like Kirk just looks at Spock and Spock looked back at him and Kirk's like, that's it. All right. Yeah, that's it. And then they just fly away. <laughs> like, and, and that's all like, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> like they don't expect it to stop there, but it just does. Yeah. I just, I thought it was more interesting. I'm not sure what it is. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on. But yeah, you know, it, was, it is a five, six, seven, somewhere in the lame section, you know, somewhere right in the middle. I, 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 I got through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, next one we're going to hit is season one, episode 18 called arena, which I'm so uh, excited. Sounds bro, interesting because it says arena and I read the one sentence synopsis. It says Kurt is pitted in a barehanded duel with a Gorn. If Kurt is fighting somebody barehanded, I am excited. Yeah. I, I don't know what he's going to slap the fuck out of them. Dude, I don't know what <laughs> Gorn is, but I do know that Kurt will be fighting somebody in a pit and it's called arena. This ep- next episode is going to be so great because anytime Kurt is fighting, the episodes are like really fighting and grimy. The episodes are always amazing. So I'm excited for the next episode. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's gonna be it for this one. Uh, as always, you know, Twitter at wwst underscore podcast. Uh, we'll make sure Paul reads any of the fan fiction that you send his way. And- <laughs> <laughs> I will actually, guys. Just so you know, I read a lot. So I, if you re- if you have a story with a link, I'll read it. I'll give I'll give my opinion. I like reading. Yeah. Uh, Gmail is wwstpod at gmail dot com. And uh, obviously you can find us wherever you found us to hear us right this second and also pretty much everywhere else. So, uh, yeah, if you guys don't have anything else, then uh, I think that's going to be it. Latest, Gators. Later.